Cool. Well, it's really good to be all together today, um, and I'm just going to sh- talk briefly, so don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to kind of keep it short today. And before I was like, oh, I can't eat too much curry because otherwise I'm going to feel like they're bloated up here. It's going to be hard to preach, so I just only had a little bit. Um, I don't know how you guys are feeling, though. Maybe you're feeling pretty relaxed after full stomach, and we just came off a series on rest, so if you fall asleep, that's okay. It's, it's fine. You're practicing what I just preached, so it's good. Um, but yeah, we're not going to go for long. Um, we're actually starting a new, just short series. Um, they're actually called Rivers. And we're going to, I guess, talk a bit about us as Rivers and, and also as a Church of Christ. Um, next week, actually, Randy Edwards, um, he used to be a lecturer at the Church of Christ College, is going to come and speak at both services, and he... I heard him speak earlier this year, and he just gave a great short story summary of the Church of Christ movement that came out of the States, and so much at the heart of it is church unity across denominations, and we still carry a lot of that, but sometimes we don't know what the story was or, or why that's the case, and actually he's going to come and sort of share on that. So kind of some of our, our history through Church of Christ, but also just spend some time talking about us and unity among us as a church and a region as well. God's doing really awesome stuff um, across the region with, with unity. And on Monday nights, there's like multiple diff- people from different churches come and pray, which is amazing. So we're sort of talking about rivers, but I also actually want to talk literally about rivers, like the things with water in them that, that flow. Um, because we have rivers near us. That's why we're called rivers. Like this is Pine Rivers Church of Christ, which was named that because this was the Pine Rivers area, but it's changed now to Morton Bay um, when the council's amalgamated, but that, that's why we're called rivers, because of Pine Rivers, and there's actually literally lots of rivers around. And the main ones that um, Pine Rivers is named after is actually the North Pine, South Pine River that combine into the Pine River. And you see the red is the North Pine River that you cross if you're sort of driving over um, past the Petrie Roundabout, you cross that, and the South Pine River in the yellow, and they, um, it's, I don't know if I'm saying it right, it's called confluence, when they, they join together, and that happens just before the highway crossing, um, if you're sort of heading towards the city, and it's this, I think it's a cool picture, that we're, we're called rivers, and we're in Pine Rivers, and there's this idea of even along the, among the rivers, there's this unity and diversity, there's, there's this, this flow of different things coming together as one, and, and that's a real heart of our church, of having diversity but unity, but also even in the region. And it's really God's heart um, for his church. It's interesting because in the New Testament, um, one of the most revolutionary things that happened is that the church was this community of people who are very, very different from each other that all of a sudden are now united. The main difference was Jews and Gentiles, which is the Jews are God's people all through um, from Abraham, and they had certain practices and, and um, beliefs. And if you wanted to be in God's family, you became a Jew. But then after Jesus, now the way to become into God's family is through Jesus, if you believe Jesus. And then all these other people with other backgrounds and other stories and other practices all of a sudden are now in the same family. There's, it's like these two rivers, these two stories, these two streams come together, and there's this new story and new family and they've got to work out how to get along. And so much of the New Testament is about how do we get along? Like, how does this work? It's actually really, really hard. Um, but when it works, it's like the, almost the biggest example that God is at work because it's impossible without God. The Jews and Gentiles and slaves and free and, and different social classes and all, all these people to get along and be one family. It's just 
amazing. So this is why Paul talked about this so much and his heart was so much for this because it was, it was such a revolutionary thing that now there's this one new people of God united in Jesus. And that's what he's writing about a lot in Ephesians and that's the verse we just read. And Paul's writing this from prison and you can just see his heart even. He says, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received, the call to follow Jesus. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Again, all those things are what's needed when there's these differences and there's this, I don't understand you and what is it like? Like, like you can imagine just the, the complexity around that. What was needed was humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with each other. And then he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And again, this is a real strong urging. And it's interesting because he, he well, what's obvious to everyone in the New Testament and for most of the time, in most ways, when you sort of get together groups of people, what, what tends to be obvious is the differences. Like, we see, oh, actually, we're kind of different on this, or we disagree on this, or from a different generation, or a different culture, or a different language. Or like, and it, often, differences are kind of obvious. Actually coming together and having unity and, and being in common can actually be hard. Um, and, it's, and it's interesting, because Paul doesn't sort of tell them they have to really work this up or make it happen. He actually says, this is a reality. You're in this one family now. There's the unity that he says, and the thing to do is to guard it, is to keep it, is to maintain it, is to protect it. So it's not create it, it's actually live it out, the reality that, that actually there's this new people of God. And the way to do that is not through denying the differences, but actually through focusing on what is common, focusing on what's the same, actually keep the unity there. He actually he wants us to focus on what is the same without having to be the same. Sometimes we think the way to unity is everyone has to look and be exactly the same, but that's not God's heart. And in this passage, um, Paul will go on to talk about diversity and different gifts. And in some of the passages, we'll see that there is a big, a lot of diversity and even the song we sung before, that there's different tribes and different nations and different cultures, and God doesn't want like just one culture <laughs> or just one language. Like There's diversity, but there is a unity, and the thing to do is to focus on what's the same, what's in common, what we're united around. And that's what he does, and it's this beautiful list. I'm going to go through pretty quickly. Of He just says it again, one, 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 and Robin just read it out. There's just all these things, and, and he says there's only one of these. So the unity is a reality. You, you can't divide these things. So the unity is there. The thing to do is to guard it. So I'm going to go through these fairly quickly. He says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Paul's speaking, and again, to people who like, are struggling maybe to be united and get along. And his, his message is, well, there's only one people of God. There's not like multiple churches and multiple, like, like there are multiple groups that gather, but in terms of actually God looking at his people on the earth, there's one group, one body. And those people are not the people who are in the organization called the church, or they're not the people who gather at a building, they're the people who have the spirit. It's a spiritual reality, God's people, and now because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have his spirit live in us. And that's what gives us new life. And actually, that's what unites us. And he says, there's only one spirit, one Holy Spirit. And there's only one hope to which you're called. Actually, the future hope, the thing that, that believers are looking to, is actually all the same. We all have that in common. And he's really saying that we actually have the same spirit. There might be major differences. 
they might be like, I don't get, I don't understand this. But the, a huge commonality among believers is that we have the same spirit living in us. And that's a pretty major thing. Like, you think, what, what is the life force that's given us new life, that's revealed Jesus to us, that actually empowers us to live? We actually have that in common, even if there's a lot of other differences. Um, he says this again in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, just as a body, and that's actually talking about a physical body as a metaphor, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. He's talking now about Jesus' body. The idea that we are Jesus' people, Jesus' hands and feet, his body on the earth. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. His point is there's only one church, ultimately. There's only one spirit. And actually, if people were around other people who believe in Jesus, even different denominations, different traditions, maybe major differences, but actually, we have the same spirit. He says, focus on that. That is an amazing thing to have in common. He keeps going and then says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He just says again, one, one, one. So this is not so much that, oh, we value unity as a value. He's saying we value unity because the fact is there's only one. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And this is, again, focused on Jesus, that if we follow Jesus, there might be different backgrounds. There might be slightly different beliefs in some things. But if we agree on him, and who he is, then we actually have the same Lord, the master of our life, the one who we confess as the king. We actually agree on that. Like, and again, like maybe we disagree on music. Like, music is pretty small compared to who's the king. Like, it's a major thing to have in common. Actually, the same Lord, he says the same faith, the faith in Jesus, that he is the savior, that he died on the cross and rose again for the forgiveness of sins. And the same baptism. And this is the idea of actually publicly confessing that, yes, Jesus is Lord and I believe him. And there's a washing with water. And there's actually, we, we share that in common if we, if we follow Jesus into baptism. So he, he says this again in Galatians 3. So in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus, clothe yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free, there is, therefore, nor is there male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And again, Paul is obviously not saying that there's not Jews in the churches or Gentiles or there's not men and women. He's saying that this new reality of being clothed in Christ breaks down all those other distinctions because this thing is so much more important that now, actually, he, he, he talks as if, well, no, your, your identifying marker is no longer Jew or Gentile or slave. Or, it's you're in Christ. And there's all these other people who are in Christ. And therefore, we actually have the same Lord. And there's this amazing unity and commonality that can happen through that. And you might see a pattern. This, this, it seems like what Paul is doing is using maybe a poem or a hymn that had been, been written, because it, it focuses on the spirit and the body, focuses on Jesus, and then it finishes with one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That this, this God is Father. And if we have walked and trusted and, and, and put our faith in Jesus, we've been made children of God, 
which means if we're among other people who have done that, we have the same father. Like, we're literally in the same family. We have the same dad. Like, like he, he's saying that, 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 that there's not two fathers. <laughs> there's not two families. There's, or there's not, like, if you think of denominations, there's not like 10,000 fathers. Like, like, maybe that's what we do as Christians. But the reality is there's one father. And if we, we believe Jesus, we're in his family. He says that in John 1, yet to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That Jesus, the Son, because of what he's done, has opened up the way for us to be made children of God. And we can pray, our Father. And then if we're, if we're around among other Christians, whether it's here at Rivers or whether it's in our region or whether it's overseas or whether it's different denominations, if, if they believe Jesus, we're in the same family. They're, they're our brothers and our sisters. And it's like, maybe, maybe we have a problem at a church and we're like, oh, I don't want to be with them. I'm going to go to another place. It's like, you can't leave the family. Like, maybe you've left the building or that sort of local expression, but they're still in your family. Like, we're still, there's only one father. There's only one people. There's only one family. So we have the same father. And this, the, the, you can see this pattern of this, the triune God, this unity in diversity, and actually to have that in common is the most amazing thing that just trumps all the other small little differences that might exist. Um, John Stott on this passage goes, takes it and then goes back the other direction. He says, first, the one father creates the one family. Secondly, the one Lord Jesus creates the one faith, hope, and baptism. Thirdly, the one spirit creates the one body. And that passage, again, Paul says there's only one of these. It's not we just value unity. It's that the, the fact is there's only one. You can't divide it. So therefore, we value unity and we, we seek to guard it and protect it as he calls us to. And again, it's not saying that, this is, that we get rid of diversity or we all become the same, but that we guard the, the focus on the things that are in common and the oneness that is there. Because there is only one God. He has only one church. And so we are to live as one, united in him. Or at least that's the direction. I was listening to someone, and I've been really challenged just studying this this week, because again, it's so easy to focus on differences and, and not focus on what's in common. And I feel really challenged by that this week. And I, and I was listening to one guy just this morning, and he was saying, um, like, the, the reality is, right, that when we look at the church, it's not, it's not one. <laughs> like, there's lots of divisions, there's lots of denominations, there's lots of things that, like that, but, but that should bother us, is what he said. If we're, if we're just okay with that, that's, that's almost a problem. That, that Paul, if he came today and looked at the church, that would bother him. <laughs> that actually there's all these different groups and they're not together. And, and I was challenged by that. And, and it's because of this, that the gospel is that there's, there's one God. Jesus is Lord. And therefore we are to unite under him. And that will actually be such a powerful demonstration to the world. But again, this is, this is hard. And I don't know how you might sort of sometimes approach this, but I've just sort of been reflecting, reflecting on this myself and Sometimes in, I might notice something or I might have a really strong view on something and the sort of thing that goes through my head is, or, or it might be I notice a really big difference in someone else and the thing that goes through my head is, if I can just get them to think like me, <laughs> we will have unity. <laughs> if, if I know what it's right <laughs> and they're wrong and if, if we can all just agree with Tim, <laughs> 
then we'll have unity. And often that can kind of be the way we approach difference or approach unity. That actually we want everyone to be united and we know how we'll get united. If everyone just listened to us and agreed with us, we would have unity. And the problem with that is, is so maybe, maybe we're doing that here, but then there's another group doing that over here <laughs> and saying, if everyone just listened to us, we would have unity. There's another group doing it over here. If everyone just listened to us, we'd have unity. And, and then you end up in conflict and at war. And I read a thing that I think was by, by Augustine who said, all wars are fought for the sake of peace. We're working for peace, but we end up creating war. We want unity, but we end up dominating and manipulating and almost like colonizing to actually get it. And sadly, that's actually kind of been some of the history of, of the church even, that, that, that some of the missions even have, have spread and ended up colonizing and actually destroying cultures and saying, you have to be like us, you have to be the same. And that's actually not God's heart. It's actually not the gospel. And, and, and sadly, we kind of, that, that's, that's happened. But sadly, we can still sometimes be like that. If they were just like us, we would have unity. And this is not just Christians, but, but all people. The, the problem of human unity is such a big problem. We want everyone to get along. We want everyone to agree. But often we want it on our terms. If people just agreed with us, so then whoever's in power ends up dominating for the sake of unity, but it's colonizing or it's empire or it's, it's control. And the amazing thing is that God's heart is so much for unity, but that's not what God's like. He doesn't come and dominate and colonize and, and just say, you just must agree with me. That's not his heart at all. And the, the, the reality in the New Testament of these Jews and Gentiles coming together and different groups coming together, the basis of it is the cross. The way that God worked in this unity was through going to the cross. Leslie Newbigin he says it this way, but at its heart, he's talking about the gospel, it is a denial of all imperialisms, imperialisms like colonizing or empire building. For at its center, there is the cross, where all imperialisms are humbled, and we are invited to find the center of human unity in the one who has made nothing so that we might be one. The very heart of the biblical vision for the unity of humankind is that its center is not an imperial power, but the slain <laughs> lamb. The way that God works for human unity is through laying himself down on the cross. It's actually the opposite of colonizing or of dominating, or everyone just needs to agree with me. It's actually, I will become nothing for your sake. That's the way of Jesus and in doing that, Jesus has broken down these dividing walls and actually made this new people of God that, that, that there's this oneness that's available in him. And the way to continue to grow it is to follow him, which actually looks like the laying down. It actually looks like the letting go. It actually looks like what Paul said at the start, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. It actually is not about everyone just agree with me. It's actually I will let go for your sake. And that's not like just not, not having integrity or not still being true to, your, to, to like say someone's culture or maybe your beliefs, but it's actually considering the other. 
and making yourself nothing. That's actually the way of Jesus. That's the the way that he showed us to go. And actually, the diversity that's there actually creates a context where that's possible, where actually humility is needed, where patience is needed, where love is needed. And that's actually God's heart for the church. That this would be this community that just like everyone should look and say, how on earth do these people get along and love each other? They, they should hate each other. <laughs> they, they, they're natural enemies. Like they don't have things in common except this person, Jesus. Like that's the only one. And they actually love each other. Maybe Jesus is actually the Lord and maybe his spirit is really real and maybe there is one father. That's actually God's heart, that that's what the church would look like. And his heart is that we would have that burden and start to walk more and more in that direction as well. Because there's one God, and he has only one church, so we are called to live as one, united in him. Not the same, still diverse, but one focused on what we have in common. And we're going to take communion together now. And, and again, that's a great way we celebrate that we are followers of Jesus together. Um, that we, we agree on who he is, the Lord of the universe, the one who died on the cross. Um, so if there's just some people that could maybe just hop up and start to distribute, that'd be really great. And, and I was thinking today, maybe, maybe let's just wait and take, um, take it together. We normally just take it in our own time. Um, but today, just I guess being together as one church and just talking about unity, just sometimes that practice of waiting and then taking the... the um, the juice and the biscuit together can be really powerful. So maybe we can just play a little bit of music and, and we'll just distribute that um, now and then, then once we're all ready, we'll, we'll take it together.